You all right this morning? Good. Uh, I remember, well, I've had quite a few people coming up to me telling me how they're fasting. And I, was, I thought this was supposed to be secretive. <laughs> do, do your fasting in secret. No, it's, it's great to know that so many people are fasting different things. Uh, we found out that when we talked about fasting a, a few weeks ago, uh, there are people in this room who are in, actually in the middle of 40-day fasts, as in just water for 40-day fasts. There is a real call on, on, the, on the children of God at the moment to fast and to pray. I'm getting emails from all over the place saying, we need to fast and pray from, from different churches. Like, yeah, we kind of already said that. Anyway, uh, we're doing that. Um, I'm going to move on with, with prayer this morning, but I want to start in Isaiah. There we go. It's even come up on the screen. That's actually my Bible. Isaiah 54, verse 17, which is an incredible verse, which I'm sure you know already. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. I don't know, I think that's on, on many people's fridges, mirrors, whatever else people put uh, Bible verses on. I don't deserve it. I don't earn it. But it is my birthright as a child of God that nothing that comes against me can prosper. It's an incredible verse. Why, why don't we say it together? No weapon that is formed against me will prosper. Let's say it again. No weapon that is formed against me will prosper. Now tell it to your neighbor. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Incredible, isn't it? Let's read the next, next line. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment. Let's do it. Every tongue, every tongue that accuses me, accuses me. In, judgment, in judgment, I will condemn. I will Let's say it again. Every tongue, every tongue that accuses me, accuses in, judgment, in judgment, I will condemn. As a child of God, that is your birthright. Doesn't matter if you had a quiet time or a prayer time this morning, that is your promise from heaven. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Now, what it doesn't say is you will never be in a fight. It doesn't say God excuses you from the battle. It actually implies the opposite, that there will be battles and there will be trials and there will be things that you have to face but no weapon, or it could say no instrument, because it's the same word, no instrument that is formed against you will prosper. If I just go back two verses to Isaiah 54, verse 15, it says this, If anyone fiercely attacks you, it will not be from me, says the Lord, and whoever assails you will fall because of you. There is a promise that as, as people come and attack it, the, the Hebrew even means this, that the, that the weapons of the enemy are thrown against you and they hit you and they fall at your feet. That is the promise. Not that you'll not have trouble, not that you won't be in a war, but you'll win. The next verse says this, 
Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for its work. And I've created the destroyer to ruin. I don't like that one. I like verse, the one before and the one after, verse 17. Why did the Bible have to have verse 16 in it? Because why do we want a destroyer? Why do we want someone attacking? And why is God seem to be going, yeah, that's fine. Just let it happen. Let, let me read you a, a, a verse from James. James 4, verse 1. Verse 2 even. Very interesting verse, which I found a couple of weeks ago. I found. I mean, I've read it a thousand times. But, well, maybe not a thousand. But, you know, you read scriptures and suddenly it hits you. James 4, verse 2 says this. James 1, verse 2 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't know about you, but I'm not there. I don't consider it joy when I face trials, but anyway, maybe I'll get there one day. Um, because, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, that word again, mature, and be complete. God allows trials. God allows persecution. He allows the battles so that you are matured into all you could be. So that you are not a sniveling little spoiled brat, but instead you are a mature child of God, or shall I say son or daughter of the God Most High. Trials come because he wants you to grow. I just don't like him. I don't know about you. I mean, you've got Psalm 23. Oh, I love the first bit. There's the blessing. There's the pools. Oh, yeah, make me lie down by the, by the pools of blessing in the green pastures and rest. And then it says, and then he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm like, oh, really? Do I have to go through the valley of shadow of death? But what's at the end of the valley of the shadow of death? It's my banqueting table. It's my reward. To get to your reward, you need to go through the valley of the shadow of death. To be, put it in this words, to be complete in Christ, you need to go through struggles, you need to go through suffering. And the apostles, or at least James, Peter as well, got so good at this that they considered it joy whenever trouble came along. I, I don't know, I'm not sure I even want to get to that place, but, but there we go. Jesus is not building a nursery full of spoilt children. Jesus is raising an army, kicking us out of beds at 5 a.m., throwing us onto the mud of an assault course, scaling rules, getting us to run so hard that we think our lungs are going to burst. Why? Because he's creating an army to attack injustice, to destroy oppression, to vanquish evil. That is who you are. I know the impression of some churches is you come in and everything will be nice. You know, Jesus sorts everything out. You just have to go to the vending machine of prayer and everything's answered. Your kids are so well behaved. Your marriage is, 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 is bliss. Your workplace is incredibly and everyone loves you. We've got to remember that in the, in the New Testament, they are writing to, to, to a population where a third of them are slaves. And they're saying to him, not this is how you escape slavery. They're saying, this is how you are free while you are still a slave. This is how you are victorious while you are still a slave. Sometimes prayer doesn't get you out of the situation, but it grows you up and matures you so that you are strong enough for the situation. Yeah. 
Think about this. Paul prayed, I think it was three times, to have a fallen in his flesh, which you don't really know what it means. Fallen in the flesh removed. God never removed it. Jesus before the cross prays three times, God, will you take this cup from me? The Father never answers his prayer. That's because prayer is not about getting an answer. It's about meeting the one who is the answer. It's not that I pray to get my needs met. It's that I pray to meet the one who meets my needs. He is the goal, not necessarily my wants and my, my needs. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. I think for most of us, most of the time, it's the second bit we need. Let, let, let me explain. I think most of us have problems that we face. And I don't think that the devil was there, no matter what we say, scheming and creating things to happen. Maybe we lose our job and we blame the devil. Probably wasn't. May have been, but probably wasn't. Maybe you, you crashed your car. Maybe it was the devil's fault. Maybe it was your fault. Maybe it was somebody else's fault. Maybe it was just one of these things that happened. Maybe you're, you're going for a hard time in your, in your marriage or your hard time with your kids. What the devil will do is he'll use every instrument, every circumstance. He will weaponize it to attack you. And then at two or three in the morning, suddenly all these thoughts, all these voices, all these tongues will start to come at you, condemning you for who you are, condemning you for the choices you made. I believe that's, from the majority of the time, that's what we, the, the battle we face. Maybe it's tongues of other people accusing you. I believe that most of the situations that we face is just life. Can I be honest? I mean, I know people complain that, the, you know, the devil was getting them because they went for a speed camera at 90 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, well, you were driving 90 miles an hour. I mean, <laughs> but the devil can use that to get at you. He can weaponize that to attack you. What is the major way that we take on the enemy? Every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn, and then God will vindicate you. The power that we have is in the power of the tongue, the power of the voice, to, dis to change the narrative, to change the questions. Let me go back a, a few chapters, and, and, and I will show you this. Back to Isaiah. I've got a clicker. I can use it. Isaiah. Oh, I've broken it, haven't I? What have I done? There we go. Isaiah 41 verse 15 says this. Behold, I have made you. I love that word, behold. My Bible's got it. It's brilliant. Behold. Behold, I have made you into a new freshing instrument with sharp teeth. You will fresh the mountains and pulverize them and reduce the, the hills to chaff. Can I see your teeth? There's mine. You are an instrument with teeth. And you have been called to destroy hills and mountains. Remember what Jesus says. Speak to the mountain and you will see it cast into the sea. You see, the purpose of you. Ephesians, I'm jumping around, I'm sorry about this. Ephesians 2 says this. We are God's masterpiece created to do good works. What are the good works? To bring God's righteousness to earth. What is the righteousness of God? Make things right. 
We are called to make things right. That is who we are. That is us as a birthright. As children of God, we are called to make things right, holy, pure. What is the first thing we use? Our mouth. Our mouth in prayer. Our mouth in conversation. When we speak, things change. Jesus promised, in this life, you will have many troubles. You will have many mountains. You will have many hills. But take heart, because Jesus overcame the world. The one that lives within you has overcome the world. The power that resides in you has overcome the world. You see, we're not supposed to be scared of the hills and the mountains. We're not supposed to be scared of the Goliaths. We're supposed to be like David, who's seeing Goliath having a go at the Israelites and all the other Israelites running away in fear. David goes, that's not for me because I know my God. I have, I have determination because I know my God. I trust in my God. And it says that he ran towards Goliath. Didn't even shriek. While everyone is running away, David ran towards Goliath. And he said this. He said to this, you can come with me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the living God. Today, you will lie at my feet. No weapon that is formed against me. That's what he was saying. You come to me with a weapon, but no weapon that is formed against me will prosper. Today, because I trust in my God, you will lie at my feet. I think we need to get a bit more like David, a bit more, uh, how would I say it, cheeky, a bit more, less, less reflective and a lot more action. Put it like this way, there are so many mountains and hills in our society at the moment. Let's take prostitution. I think it'd be great if two or three of us just sat down and said, you know, but the prostitution going, down, going on in our city, I think it's time we took that hill. I think it's time that we took that mountain. Let's start praying. Let's start speaking against prostitution in our city. Let's start speaking blessing on the prostitutes. Let's start speaking the light of God into the pimps and say, come on, Arthur, we can do it. I am called for such a time as this. I am a child of God. I am an overcomer. One John, it says this, that we are overcomers if we believe in Jesus. What does that mean? We overcome things. That means we see a mountain and we go, let's go climb it. Let's go climb that hill. Let's go demolish and pulverize that obstacle that is standing up against the name of God in our society. You are called as a child of God to attack injustice, to attack oppression, to attack sickness. It is your birthright. It is your identity. And when we sit back and let the mountains and, and worry about the mountains, rather than taking them on, we get out of our purpose. We get out of who we are called to be. We get out of who I am in Christ. On Tuesday morning, September 11th, two hijacked commercial airlines were flown into the north and south towers of the World Trade Center complex in New York. In the impending disaster, we hear Americans affectionately talk about the heroes of the emergency services 
who were running into the building as people were running out. In June 2017, Grenfell Tower, a 24-story residential tower block in North Kensington, London, was engulfed in a horrific blaze, killing 72 people. Again, in our British media, we heard about the heroes of the emergency services who were running in as the residents were running out. I saw this, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, that's us. When everyone else is running out, we should be running in. When everyone else is running away, we should be running to the mountains, taking authority over them. And then I saw this. From Christian Today, a tweet, how the church responds to tragedy as it always does, by running towards it. Hashtag Grenfell Tower. That is what the church is. That is our calling. That is our identity. Jesus said, speak to the mountains and see him cast into the, the sea. Isaiah 49 verse 2 says this, he has made my mouth into a sharp sword. Ephesians 6 talks about a sword. It talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Straight after it says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, for those who, who like Greek, thanks to my Greek uh, I forgot what it was. Greek something you gave me? Brilliant. Great book. Uh, the, the word for word there is, is not logos, it's rhema. It's the spoken word. The spirit of God means the breath of God. It's the same translation. So you could read it like this. The sword of the breath, which is the spoken word of God, then what does Paul immediately say? So because you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, pray with all prayer for all supplications. He basically goes on for another few sentences just saying, make sure you pray, make sure you pray, make sure you pray. The sword of the breath, which is the spoken word of God. You see, this is what we do with our Bibles. We may read them and we may put them in the heart. We may just leave them on the shelf. It has no power when we put the word of God on the shelf. It has a bit of power when we memorize it and put it in our hearts. But when we speak the word of God, when we put the word of God on our mouths, mountains move, problems are changed, chains are broken. People are healed, people are restored. The kingdom of God comes to earth. It says in Joshua that they, they overtook the land, they, they took the land when they went into the promised land uh, with the edge of their sword. Said, Why do they keep the same? They, they, they overcame with the edge of the sword. Because the word edge is the same word as mouth. How do you get into the promised land? You use your mouth on the sword to bring healing, to bring restoration. So when I see prayer, when I see us speaking, this is what I see. I love that picture. Do you love that picture? I've got the Holy Spirit in me. The Holy Spirit is around me. The fire of God is within me. I need to open my mouth and let him out. I need to open my mouth and let the power of God change my destiny and not just my destiny, but the destiny of people around me. Because I am called to see mountains thrown into the sea. See, it says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of a testimony. The problem with a testimony is you need a test to get a testimony. You have to go through a bad time to get a testimony. You may not like the, the test, but the testimonies are great, aren't they? 
I have plenty of testimonies I would never want to share because they were so hard. The Word of God is living and active, dwelling within you, sharper than any double-edged sword, more mighty than any weapon against you. But we need to put it on our lips and not just on our shelves. Think about it. In the very beginning, it says that God created the heavens and earth. How did he do it? He spoke. He spoke the, the world into existence. That same power, that same person lives in you. The one that raised Christ from the dead. So how about the next time that we're having trouble with our kids? Or substitute that for whatever you want. How about rather than moaning about it and complaining about it and maybe even ringing your pastor about it, how about instead you go, in the name of Jesus, devil, you cannot have my kids. I take authority over my kids. I declare goodness and mercy over them. I rebuke this. I rebuke that. How about we do that? How about the next time that we've, we, we come down with some sickness rather than just saying, oh, can I go to the doctor? Which please do. Um, how about we start to take authority over our bodies and start saying, no, by the power, the power of Jesus, the power of the cross, I am healed. I am restored. I speak that over my body. I reject this sickness in the name of Jesus. And instead, I speak health over my body. I speak restoration in my life. How about the next time that we're there it, it, at night and, or even during the day and those thoughts are just going round and round and round our heads. We start, start saying, no, I'm going to speak the goodness of God into this situation. I'm going to speak the, the peace of God over my head and in my mind. It's, it's about growing up into the fullness of God. Some of us, I know you feel like you, you're in, you've been in a boat. Boat at sea. Boat, let's, let's use the, the biblical one where, where, the, where the disciples are on, on, on in, in the Lake of Galilee and the, the storm is all around. And your boat's been tossed one way and the other. And you're thinking, oh, have I missed it? Have I missed God? And Jesus is sat there right in the boat with you. Have you noticed it took a long time for the disciples to go and actually wake him up? Why do we wait so long for prayer? Why do we wait so long to talk to, talk to Jesus? But his reaction is also quite interesting. When the disciples woke Jesus up in that boat, he, he had a go at them. Why did he have a go at them? Because he said, how long will I have to be with you? In other words, I mean, Jesus got up and rebuked the storm and it was calm. But what he really wanted was the disciples to stand up in the boat and rebuke the storm and use their own mouths and use the word of God in their mouths rather than just going to him to see the storm calmed. I wonder how many of us need to stand up in our boats and start speaking into our situations, not just praying God to take it away, but also speaking into our daily lives, into the atmosphere that we are around to see God's kingdom come on earth. So we're going to do that now. You're all too quiet, so this is what we're going to have to do. Can you stand with me? I'm excited and you're quiet. I don't get it. Oh, yeah, yeah, baha. We're going to pray. We're all going to pray together. We're not going to pray to Jesus at this point. We're not going to pray to the Father at this point. It's good to pray to the Father. Please don't stop praying to the Father. Please stop praying to God. But we're going to speak to a mountain in our lives that we want removed.
It may be a mountain of health. It may be a relational one. I'm just going to leave you a few seconds to work out what it is. And as a church, together, we're going to speak against that mountain and see it cast into the sea. Okay. You got it? Repeat after me. Mountain. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and I cast you into the sea. Mountain. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and I cast you into the sea. Mountain, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and I cast you into the sea. Mountain, I will not tolerate you anymore. Be cast into the sea. I will come against you in the name of Jesus Christ. Name of Jesus Christ. Oh, while we're praying, just start praying in tongues. Oh, I'm going to start praying about one or two things. Please pray with me. I pray against corruption in our government. I speak against corruption in our government. Father, I pray that your light would shine into our government and bring clarity, bring cleanliness. Let holiness be on the houses of parliament. Let holiness be on the houses of parliament. I speak wisdom, heavenly wisdom into the houses of parliament. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I speak to every school that is represented here. Every school that is represented here by a child. I speak uh, health into that, into that school. I speak life. I speak an acceptance of the Christian faith into that school. I speak, oh, let there be no, no suicides. Let there be no misery. We speak the blessing of God on that school. The blessing of God on that school. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you want to take your seats? Prayer is not just, well, you might not want to class that prayer. Prayer is not just asking Jesus of things. It's not just even receiving him. It's speaking the words of God onto this earth. You may have known about, about uh, the, the Valley of Dry Bones. I think it's Ezekiel. And it was, God said to Ezekiel, speak to those bones Speak so they, they have life. It was not until Ezekiel spoke that those bones came to life. God said it. He said it to a person. It wasn't until the human took authority in the natural that that, that miracle happened. Sometimes God is waiting for us to speak, waiting for us to grow. He could do everything for us, but sometimes he needs to speak. He needs, he needs us to do it ourselves. Let me just give you something else. Jesus is there in the desert. And the devil is attacking him. The devil isn't actually causing any bad situations for him. The devil is just actually attacking him with words. You notice that? With thoughts, with ideas. What does Jesus do? He doesn't like go, oh, I'm full of the power of God. And then like some superpower just go, Poof and push the devil away. He doesn't do that. I know some of us think like that's how we use the Holy Spirit, which is like, just see things go out. No, he says this. It is written. What did Jesus use to combat the devil in the desert? He used the word of God. He put the word of God on his mouth and he spoke it 
to get rid of the enemy. Some of us think, I mean, I hear it's like it, it thinks if you just come to church and sit in a row, that the devil will leave you alone. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this, submit to God, resist the devil, and then he will flee. Jesus had to resist the devil. If, it, if Jesus has to resist the devil, we have to resist the devil, and then he will flee. And how did Jesus do it? He put the word of God on his mouth. Oh, if that's Jesus' calling, it's our calling. I wonder how much happens in our lives because we don't speak God's word over our children, over our jobs, over our relationships, over our house. The power of God lives in us. When it says, let me just get my finger. When it says um, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, it does not mean an instant answer to prayer. No weapon formed against us will prosper. The, the context of that means this. We win in the end. The people of faith in the Bible sometimes die before they saw the answer to their prayer. But there is a thing about that we fight and we fight and we fight and we fight until we see the kingdom of God manifest in our lives. It is not necessarily instant. I love it when God does things instantly and I have faith that he does things instantly and that's brilliant. But a lot of the time it takes prayer and prayer and prayer and prayer until you see something broken. I think some of us, and I include myself in it, we pray once. We maybe pray twice, maybe pray three times, and then we go, oh, that must not be God's will. I'm thinking, that's not what the Bible says. I know people put job applications in, and they pray once, but they'll get the job or not, and they don't get it, and they think, well, it must have been God's will. It's like, no, there is an enemy. There is a world out there. We sometimes need to partner with God in prayer daily until we see the answers that we need. If we have a sick relative, we don't just give up after three times that we've prayed. There are places in, the, in, this, in this world where they see, a hundred, well, at least they say, they see 100% healing. What you may not know is that people go there for three months before they get healed. Constant prayer, constant prayer. I've been around people who've raised the dead. Guess what? It wasn't an instant prayer. They've prayed for hours to see a dead girl raised from the dead. Hours. Round and round, they were praying for hours. There is a perseverance and the grit that needs to come into the church of God, endurance, because we know that in the end, we win. Is that good? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm telling you off. I'm not telling you off at all. I don't know what's going on. Sorry. There is something else I wanted to bring up, and that's why I wanted to go on early, earlier. Isaiah 30, verse 32 says this. Every blow of the rod of punishment which the Lord will lay on him will be with the music of tambourines and lyres, and in battle, brandishing weapons, he will fight them. It seems like God is waiting for the people of God to raise up some praise, to get out their instruments, to start playing their tambourines and their guitars and get, get a bit of dancing. And when he sees that, he goes out to war. 
People think that there's, there's prayer and there's praise. People, I mean, I, I know this won't be any of you guys. I mean, some people think that, you know, praising and worship is singing and, and prayer is talking. No, you can sing your prayers. There's actually a word for a sung prayer in, 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 in Hebrew. And you can sing, sing your prayers and you can speak praise. But there is something about music that God's, God just loves to come into the, into the presence. He seems to love to battle in it. I remember I was in the north of Spain and a very dark region. Um, the, I, I was told I was going to a church meeting on a Sunday morning. There was only about 30 people there. We went past the Catholic churches. They're not actually really Catholic churches. That isn't the Virgin Mary. That's the, that's the uh, idol, the, the woman, the spirit of the region. I was like, wow, okay. And did you, not, did you know that Spain, it was only legal to have the Bible in Spanish, in, I think, about the 1980s? Anyway, so I was in this northern region, this more northern hilly region. I was told it was full of witchcraft, full of the occult. I'm there in a meeting. We've had worship time. I've preached an awesome message. You should have heard it. It was awesome. You should have been there. <laughs> and uh, I get a word of knowledge about, about a, a condition in an ear. And remember, only 30 people there. I have, I can't remember if it was three or four, or maybe five, I think, let's go with three, because I don't want to over-egg it. Three people come forward with the, with the complaint, which is like, out of a group of 30, that's pretty, pretty coincidentally, that's pr- pretty awesome. Okay, so this is, I love healing through words and knowledge, because pretty much you, you get it, and you say, be healed, and the person's instantly healed, it's awesome. You should try it, it's really good. Um, but I, I couldn't shift this deafness out of any three of them I was like this is the first time this has happened I got a word of knowledge got it correct and now I can't seem to do anything with these three people um, these people didn't speak English they speak Spanish I'm having to go through uh, the, the pastor who's a translator I'm getting nowhere she then decides to just start leading some worship she goes off to lead worship I'm now with people who don't speak English and I'm trying to pray for them minister to them but as soon as the worship started to fill that room, suddenly, suddenly I could pray for people and stuff started happening. It was like, it wasn't, while, while there was no worship and there was a translation from English to Spanish, nothing, zip, nothing was happening. But as soon as she got and started worshiping God, chains started to break in the place. God started to pour out the place, uh, all over the place. There is something, and I can't read, I mean, I'll give you a lovely verse in Isaiah, but I can't really justify it necessarily in Scripture, but God loves it when he hears the praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. Anna, can you come up? I have this story in, um, from America. Within early colonial life in the Americas, there were no choirs within the churches as music was not important. However, there was music found with the Africans who had been enslaved and forcibly brought to work in the fields. Many white plantation owners enjoyed their singing so much that they would allow the slaves to sing whilst they worked in the fields, although they were not allowed to speak. Imagine the sound coming from the fields as the slaves worked in the hot sun. One person would set up a tempo and they would begin to sing as they worked in the cotton fields. Most of the slaves remained uneducated. They could not read, and so they would learn scripture. The only way they could learn scripture was to sing it. This is how they began to remember the scriptures. And without realizing it, they were aligning themselves with the word of God as they sang. Without understanding what they were doing, they were prophetically singing of being free and having release. 
as they were serving the white man, they sang their own song of freedom. They were actually prophesying their future. Even though, even through the superstitions brought over from Africa, God heard their cry and was able to bring freedom and understanding, spiritual and physical freedom. There's something in speaking the destiny of God. There's something even greater when you add it to music. When we are praising God in this place, we are not just having a sing song. When we are praising God in this place, this is the first thing that happens. It changes you. It, it puts your mind into a different place. It starts you thinking about God. You call it meditation if you want. You start thinking about God. The second thing that happens is we start speaking into the atmosphere. The one, and if when we connect with the Holy Spirit, the one who created the kingdom of God, I mean that the earth and everything around us starts to speak through us and starts to bring the authority of God into this place. The authority of God into Collingham. Because we meet here on a Sunday morning, this place is affected. People in the, in, in the streets around here, people in the houses over there are affected. I'm not sure I can quite understand it. And I don't really care because I just know God does it. When we start singing, God goes to war. When we start praising Him, He starts breaking injustice. So this morning, we're going to go to war. Are you with me? We're going to go to war this morning. We're going to sing the praises of God. Can we go um, we're going to go and, and sing the praises of God. We're going to see chains broken. We're going to see mindsets changed. Remember, we don't, we're not fighting physical things. We're not fighting fleshly things. We're fighting ideas, ideologies, lofty things. We just want to be up here and tell us what to do and tell everyone else what to do. So, you with me? Get to your feet then. Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray first and then we're going to do it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill this place with your presence right now. We can't even worship you without your Spirit. We can't even praise you properly. We can't even pray properly without you, God. Will you come into this place? Break our mindsets. Will you come into this place and fill this place with heaven's sound, heaven's scent, heaven's authority, heaven's power. Holy One, we invite you in here. We invite you into our lives. We invite you into our neighbours' lives. We invite you into this surrounding atmosphere. Holy One, will you come? 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 Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Just start speaking in tongues where you are. Just start speaking in tongues where you are. Come on, we're coming to war this morning.